it's a joyful thing to be dining together. How often do we get to dine with strangers and get to know people, you know, through food, by sharing and breaking bread? This is a principle that Yana Gilbuena infuses into every dinner party that she designs. Yana is a Filipino nomadic chef specializing in Kamayan dinners. If you're not sure what a Kamayan dinner is, you're probably not alone, but you are in luck. Stay tuned and Yana will explain what they are and why she is so passionate about them. We always go to restaurants. You always have your table. You always have your thing. You never get to interact with the other diners. And that was something that that pop-up, you know, underground supper club platform provided was just a way for people to connect over food. And I wanted to just push it a little bit more, like pushing the envelope a little bit more and for them to not only connect with other people, but connect with their food and the experience of dining. Welcome to the Heritage Cookbook Project podcast, where we document and preserve heritage by connecting with cooks across the country who share food memories, family recipes, and a little bit of themselves. And I'm your host, Leigh Olson. I grew up in Iloilo City, which is an island in um, the Philippines. I immigrated when I finished college. My mom required me to move here because otherwise with the immigration process, it would be harder for me to get my citizenship um, if I was over 21. And the second reason um, was because I didn't go to med school. My mom and my dad separated really early when I was born. And so my grandmother urged her to take up nursing because during that time in the 80s, there was a nursing boom here in America. And since she was going to be a single mother, it was best for her to leave the Philippines and get a better job that pays well so that she can provide for me on her own. So that's how the story started. I was raised by my grandmother. My grandma and my aunt actually made sure like I had a very good childhood. My grandma was more of like, let's go to this other island and visit our relatives over there. She made sure that I was very grounded with the family that I had. While Yana's family values were shaped in large part by her grandmother, her influences in the kitchen were varied and included the effects of colonization, war, the economic impact of the 80s, and the landscape of her island home. My aunt would collect carnation evaporated milk recipes. And that was one of our activities is we would randomly pick a recipe and then we would cook it together. I remember like one of them was like a chicken cordon bleu, you know, and we were just like, we don't even know how to pronounce the the bleu part. <laughs> we are just like, what is this? And what is it even supposed to look? Because we had no idea. No pictures, just like a list of ingredients. And a lot of these ingredients are not readily found in the Philippines. And this was pre-Google. So we were just like, uh, we'll just go to the supermarket and I guess we can, you know, find something else that's close to that thing. <laughs> we also had our cooks. And so they come from like the provinces versus like in the city. And then they would bring with them like their own home cooking 
So it was pretty traditional. Definitely adobo, definitely tenola, flan, uh, a lot of stews and a lot of like um, vegetable soups. And then we call them laswa. And it's basically just like a mishmash of different vegetables that we found in the market. My other grandma also lived with us. She had her own like special recipes. One of them was chicken cola. She doesn't even tell me what's in that recipe. I have to guess. We were exposed to a lot of, you know, imported and canned things because of the influx of American influence after World War II. And even my mother would send canned goods in the Balik Bayan boxes. Balik is to return and Bayan means nation. So return to nation or return to your homeland. So these boxes are like giant cargo boxes that you would fill up and a flat fee to be able to send from America to the Philippines. After the break, lunch on the beach, pop-up dinners, and unapologetically Filipino foods. This episode of the Heritage Cookbook Project podcast is supported by Bob's Red Mill. When you're making those treasured family recipes, don't leave the quality of your ingredients to chance. Visit bobsredmill.com to find out more about this employee-owned company, their products, and how you can fill your pantry with them. With their products, not their employees. I remember when I was a kid, we would just have a day in the beach, always Sunday, because that's when the beach is not super crowded. And we would spend a whole day there. And at lunchtime, you would just ask a local fisherman what fresh fish they got for the day. And then there's like a local stand basically that has like the basics, like rice and like some sort of salad, which could be like a seaweed salad with some tomatoes. And they would cook your lunch there for you. They would lay out the banana leaves on that bamboo table. And then you're just sitting there like with the salt drying on your skin and you're still feeling like the, you know, the ocean breeze and you're just welcoming that, that sight of like food on the table. (laughs) And there's no utensils. You just, you know, grab with your hands and eat however you like. And I remember that was one of my favorite meals because there were no rules. My grandma was, she, she was Spanish, and so she was raised in this very rigid household. But when it was like Sunday and we were at the beach, she would just, no utensils, it's cool. We can do, we can do this just one day. And I felt like we were just letting loose on the dining table and it felt so natural and how it should be, you know? Those easy Sunday lunches on the beach would prove an inspiration to Yana. After living in L.A. for a while, she made her way to New York City and landed a writing gig for a local online platform. She wrote about food, restaurants, and trendy food-related events. This is where she was introduced to the underground supper club and pop-up dining experiences. The concept itself reminded her of those Sunday meals. But there was something missing. Not only from the pop-up dining experience, but also from the local Filipino restaurants. I realized quickly that 
it, it was great, but it also became a little boring. I wanted to see a more of a cultural injection. At that time, no one was really doing Filipino food in that manner anyway. Like I knew of, you know, the mom and pop diners or restaurants in Queens where it's like a turuturo. So turo means point. So you basically point at one of the dishes and you're just like, I want that and that other dish. And can you put it in a combo? You know, (laughs) Um, so it was that sort of like Filipino food dining experience. And there were some in the city, but I would say they were more like not in your face Filipino. So it's like Filipino American or like Filipino ingredients in either Italian or French form, but none that really brought me home or reminded me of home. Yana's experience of dining on the beach and enjoying the food unimpeded by social constructs is at the very core of her dining philosophy. No one was doing Kamayan at all. I wanted to do a pop-up dinner, a Filipino pop-up dinner served Kamayan style because a part of me wanted to celebrate that form of dining. I've always taken a stance that our food can stand on its own and our dining can stand on its own and it doesn't need to get elevated. And I wanted us to be proud of who we are and what we what we grew up with. I've always felt like dining is a sensual experience. Like you see it, you smell it, you taste it, you hear it, you know, what's just lacking is that sense of touch. And we have the most sensitivity in our fingers. Like why not use that to enhance your dining experience and connect with your food on a different level? I wanted to kind of undo that very Western way of thinking with my diners and just challenging them to think outside of the box. So is it still dining if we don't have plates? Is it still dining if we don't have utensils? Can this still be called dinner? What? Dinner with no utensils? We're now at the very core of the Kamayan dinner. And I don't know about you, but my inner child is loving this idea. The idea of experiencing the food with every sense. This idea that we are all equals at the table. This idea that we are all enjoying the food and the experience as a community. So the Kamayan feast, everything is always served in the middle um, and everything is communal. So you serve yourself with your non-dominant hand and you eat with your dominant hand. I serve them their first course, wait for them to finish that, serve them their second course and third course. And I tried to do like an intermezzo before a dessert, which is mostly I, I do like a chocolate. It's a drinking chocolate. And it's something that I really enjoyed when I was you know, a kid too. We had chocolates and we would call it tableya because they would come in in blocks. And it's just ground up chocolate with some sugar and it's bitter with a hint of sweet. Chocolate was something that was not native to the Philippines to begin with. It was something that was brought over during the galleon trade. 
if you were nobility or somewhere in that rank, um, you were served chocolate, -e, which is chocolate espeso, which means it's just like pure chocolate with cream, like very rich, you know. But if you were seen as someone at a lower rank or they deem you lower in society, whatever it is, they would serve you chocolate a, which means chocolate agueado, which is watered down chocolate. <laughs> They're sneaky. <laughs> They're so sneaky. <laughs> um, and I, I've always wanted to like share that little tidbit to my diners because I want them to learn not just about the food, but like the history of the food and like how we even, you know, developed Filipino cuisine to begin with. I hope that at the end of the experience, they not only learned Filipino food, got to appreciate it in a different manner, and also learned something more about Filipino history. Yana's desire to educate her diners about Filipino foods and history is paired with her dedication to demonstrate to her fellow Filipinos that their culture and foods are worth celebrating. The Philippines has been colonized and, sorry to say this, but fucked over so many times that I felt we've lost a little bit of who we really are. It's very heartbreaking to meet people who don't even want to claim their heritage. And I want food, our food, to reflect that, to be unapologetically Filipino. Like, yes, bring on that stinky fermented shrimp. Bring on that fermented fish. Like, just bring everything, like that blood stew. Actually bring the balut, like bring it and own it. Don't forget who you are and why you're here. It's, it's what makes you you. And I want us to celebrate it. And for me, that way of celebration is through my pop-up dinners, my Kamayan dinners. I hope you enjoyed Yana's story about Kamayan dinners and celebrating heritage through food. If you want to hear more stories like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To see some amazing images of Yana's Kamayan feasts and to get one of her recipes that she prepares for the dinners or to purchase Yana's cookbook, please visit theheritagecookbookproject.com. The Heritage Cookbook Project podcast was produced and edited by me. I'm Leigh Olson. I'll be back in two weeks with the second episode celebrating Filipino-American History Month, Spanish-style Filipino cocido. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and make sure to celebrate your culinary heritage by enjoying one of your family recipes. <laughs>